You should have taken care of me just a little bit so I wouldn't have to take them dives for the short end money. Well, I had some bets down for you. You saw some money. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. That's on Netflix right now. Hi, everybody. Hello! Welcome to movie... Are you ready for this, kids? What movie are we on? Movie number 19. (laughs) We're in the (laughs) (laughs) team. Excuse us while we both die. No, I was making fun of you. I was Uh. fine. Excuse me why I die. We're in the teens, folks. 19. So, which is, can I say what the movie is? Oh, yeah, say what the movie is. This is on the water, because we get so far into the episodes and we never say what movie is. This is on the waterfront from 1954. There, a minute and 30 in, and I got it. I'm waiting for, like, number two when we do the entire episode and forget to mention what movie we watched. It's the uh, Godfather, by the way. We are, yes, it is. Spoilers! Number Spoiler two is alerts, the Godfather. Because you know the list that's been available to the public since 2007, if you haven't looked at it yet. Not our fault. No, it's not. Oh, my goodness. I'm yeah, crazy I'm, to make a deal with you. Uh, yeah, sorry, we sat here for the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. quoting Mrs. Doubtfire. Just one scene. Uh, yeah, pretty much over and over again. So, yep. <laughs> anyways. All right. Let's so, go to the pot. Let's go to the movie we watched. This is a crime 19, drama. 19. Number 19. It's crazy. So, so we're going to stop here and just forget the podcast. Yep. yep. Forever. We did it. We're done. We're, We're done. good. All right. <laughs> On the waterfront from 1954. Non-rated. An hour and 48 minutes. It's a crime drama. 8.3 out of 10. An 88 Metascore. This has a Metascore. That's not bad. An ex-prize fighter turned longshoreman struggles to stand up to his corrupt union bosses. It's directed by Elia Kazan and written by Bud Schulberg and others. Bud Schulberg also wrote the original story and the screenplay. So I thought I saw that. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. How dare you? Oh, excuse me. I am, uh, you know, we had pizza. And yes. Just all like beverages. Elia um, Kazan also did Streetcar Named Desire. And East of Eden, if you're a James uh, Dean movie fan, which I am. Oh, is that why I know? That's why. Is that why I know the director? Yep. I was trying to figure out why. So the- Well, and Streetcar, because we watched Streetcar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yep. I was meaning. I was... Okay, cool. Yep, he passed away in 2003. He was 94 years old. He died of natural causes. Dude was up there. Yep, he was. He was up there. So, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, beautiful. Your, okay. Uh, your awards and whatnot. At? Where are we at? Here we are, right here. All right, was so... Was awards and whatnot what we were going to call it? We talked about this on, like, 10 episodes ago. Was it 10 episodes ago? It was the one I just re-listened to. Uh, because the whole technology thing didn't always work. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I started... stuff and things, I think it's awards and whatnot. That makes sense. Have we called it that since we talked about it in that episode? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> We're on... Uh, no. Episode 88. Woo! Mind you, Lindsay. 88. Good Lord. 88 miles per hour! Marty! <laughs> I am not a crook. <laughs> okay. Okay, so apparently... <laughs> 
Sidetrack, real quick. <laughs> Jeff and I were div- spent. We, Jeff kept trying to do Brando and imp- Jeff was doing Brando impressions during the movie. My terrible I can't Marlon do, Brando. I can't do Marlon Brando, no, but I can do a really good Richard Nixon. Jeff can't do Richard Nixon, <laughs> but he can do Al Pacino doing Richard Nixon. I tried doing Al. I tried doing uh, Richard Nixon, and it came out like my Al Pacino. It came out like my Scarface Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Like, I am not a crook. Yeah, that's what it came out to yep. be. So, so apparently, that. all right, awards and whatnot. Sorry, I'm not trying to rush the episode, but I have I'm no, no, it's fine. I have portfolio work to do. When Kiddos, forewarning, probably a short, short episode. episode. You probably have already seen that when you looked at the timestamp yeah. on this. So, but, watch it'll be a 40 yeah. minute episode. All right, so awards and whatnot. Uh, there is no whatnot, sadly, for this episode. Sorry, uh. kiddos. <laughs> the, the one time we remember to call it that, there is none. All right, this film had 12 Oscar nominations. With an additional 25 award nominations. This film was nominated for, but did not win, Okay. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Lee J. Cobb. Okay. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Carl Malden. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Rod mm-hmm. Steger. Steger? 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 Yeah. Best Music Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedy Picture, Leonard Bernstein. Which we're going to yell at, seriously, <laughs> as we discussed while watching this movie... His score, great score, <laughs> but so not belonging to this movie, <laughs> not whatsoever. Uh, just did not match this film. I, no, in my opinion, it was just way too over the top. It was like West Side Story, like yes. jets fighting sharks, obsessively loud. When it was like a guy walking down the street, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like it was just unnecessary. Uh, however, this film did win. Now these were all Oscars, obviously, because okay, that's yeah. how I usually. It did win Best Picture. Best Actor in a Leading Role for Marlon Brando. Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Ava Marie Saint. Okay. Best Director. Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay. That's one award. Best Cinematography for a Black and White Film. And, oh, sorry. Best Art Direction, Set Direction for a Black and White Film. Okay. And Best Film Editing. Okay. This basically was an Oscar sweep. Yeah. Um, the year that, uh, because there was three Best Supporting Actor nominations, it there was five actors nominated that year for Best Supporting Actor, and three of them came from this, this movie. Film. Yeah. They all lost. Uh, they lost to Edmund O'Brien for The Barefoot Contessa, which I have heard of that movie. I've Are you never sure seen you've heard it. of the movie and not the cooking show on the Food Network? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, you're not. You're really not. The Barefoot Contessa is also a cooking show on the Food Network. Is it? Yep. <laughs> well, look at that. For the cooking show, see Barefoot Contessa. Yep. Oh, well, the movie's got Humphrey Bogart, Ava Gardner, and Evan O'Brien. I've never seen the movie. Huh. <laughs> Maybe Just I like- am thinking of the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'm thinking <laughs> of the TV <laughs> show. <laughs> With Ina Garten. Ina Garten is who hosts Barefoot Contessa. Click on it. And her husband, Jeffrey. Oh, wow. I have never seen that show. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) But it premiered in 2002, which was when I still had Food Network. And that is why. Or Food TV or whatever it's called. It's Food Network. It's Food Network. That's why. So You know how I know that's Food Network? Maybe that's why. Because that's all I watch. Because all I watch are reruns of Iron Chef that I've T-boned and chopped. (laughs) It's all I have time to watch on TV. I'm not allowed to watch movies or shows about food. 
I get hungry way yeah, too it easily. Sucks. I couldn't watch Man vs. Food or Bizarre <laughs> Foods. I would just get hungry. Funny enough, and I'm pretty sure, uh, going back to the awards, I'm pretty sure we mentioned this, this film beat out Rear Window. Oh, yeah, I think for we best did. Picture. Yep. Or for, oh. Sorry, for Best Director. I apologize. Best Director it beat out. So, all right. Um, oh, and then finally, the film was entered in the National Film Registry in 1989. Awesome. So, first year in on the waterfront was entered. Nice. So, all right, Lindsay, that Jeffrey. is all for stuff, or wait, no, awards and whatnot. Awards and whatnot. We have way Sweet too many deal. titles. We awards really and do. whatnot, Lindsay, you may continue with See, your trivia. trivia is just trivia. There's a song. Trivia. Trivia. For once I didn't yawn, I burped. Gross. <laughs> I'm drinking a can of Coke. What do you want from me? Literally a can I said, of cocaine. No. Yes. <laughs> All right. As part of his contract, Marlon Brando only worked until four o'clock every day, and then he would leave to go see his therapist. Brando's mother had recently died, and the conflicted young actor was in therapy to resolve his issues with his parents. Interestingly, for the film's classic scene between Rod Steiger and Brando in the back of the cab, all of Steiger's close-ups were filmed after Brando had left for the day, so his lines were read by one of the crew members. Oh. Steiger remained very bitter about that for many years and often mentioned it in interviews. In his biography of Elia Kazan, Kazan sorry, Richard Scheichel described how Kazan used a pl- ploy to entice Marlon Brando to do the film. He had Carl Malden direct a scene from the film with an up-and-coming fellow actor from the actor's studio playing the Terry Malloy lead role. They figured the competitive Brando would not be eager to see such a major role handed to some new screen heartthrob. The ploy worked, especially since the competition had come in the form of a guy named Paul Newman. Oh, <laughs> I've never heard of him. Who is I he? Know, I don't know. I don't no. know who he There's is. some dude on a salad dressing bottle. He might be that guy. I don't oh, know. the Caesar dressing dude. Doesn't he make wine? Maybe. That's cool. (laughs) Sam Spiegel sent the script to Marlon Brando and it came back with a refusal. Spiegel, however, had inserted small pieces of paper between the pages, which were still in place when the script was returned to him, indicating that it hadn't been read. While Spiegel continued to work on Brando, Frank Sinatra agreed to take the role. Huh. Actor trademark. Name. At at, At the hearing, Slim gives his name as Malden... Sikolovich, Carl, actor Carl Malden's real name. Malden always deeply regretted having to change his real name, a very ethnic name for the sake of his movie career, and attempted to make amends over the years by making sure his real name always showed up in his movies in one way or another. Hmm. Although the part of Edie Doyle properly is lead, producer Sam Spiegel listed Eva Saint Marie Saint as a supporting actress in the hopes of getting her a nomination. The ploy worked and she won the Oscar. Uh, Marlon Brando's line, you don't understand, I could have had class, I could have been a contender, I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which I am, which was selected as the number three on the AFI's top 100 quotes. I'm pretty sure I looked at that. And people misquoted all the time. It's not, I could have been somebody, I could Could have been been a contender. contender. It's the other way around. It goes Also, he's not as Brando-y as everyone makes him out to be. Because he doesn't talk, he only really talks like that in, like... Later movies, it's like The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. He's almost, not like that in this movie. I or almost, Streetcar. That's true. See, like I almost feel like I almost feel like he did that voice for The Godfather, and people started impersonating him yeah. as that voice, and All he just kind of yeah, slipped went, into that. Yeah. Yep. Because he kind of did it in Apocalypse Now. 
Yeah, yeah was, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's why yeah. I said Godfather Apocalypse now. Like, well, no. Yeah. Why I'm doing this? It's very much this over the top. It's not how he talks. Continue. Okay. <laughs> I was done. I was just. Yeah. It's okay. I was reading this trivia fact to see if it was use- useful or not. The taxi cab scene between Terry and Charlie, one of the most famous scenes in the cinema, I wouldn't say it's one of the most famous scenes, yeah. but was not improvised, as Marlon Brando claimed in his autobiography. When Brando did initially improvise during the shooting of the scene, Rod Steiger followed his lead. Ilya Kazan yelled, Stop the shit, buddy, to Brando, using his nickname. The two actors stuck to Bud Schulberg's script after that. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, shortly after the film's 1954 debut, the AFL-CIO expelled the East Coast Longshoremen's Union because it was still run by the mob. (laughs) Huh! (laughs) Sam Spiegel forgot to pay for rear projection equipment, hence why the cab when Marlon Brando and Rod Steiger play out the film's most famous scene has blinds. Oh, you know what I did? I never noticed that. I mean, I, do, I realized that they had blinds in it, but I'm like, oh, whatever. So the cab's got, like, it didn't dawn on me that, well, why are I not seeing out the window? That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. On the Waterfront is widely known to be an act of exp- 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 expiation on the part of Elia Kazan for naming names to Huac during the Joseph McCarthy witch hunts in the 1950s. What is less widely reported is that Kazan intended as a di- direct attack on his former close friend, Arthur Miller, who had been openly critical of Kazan's actions. Specifically, it was a direct response to Miller's play, The Crucible. Yeah. I keep forgetting that The Crucible is, like, Re- a recent, modern yeah. play. For some reason, I feel like that's more, like, old school. Maybe it's because it takes place old school. I don't yep. know. I don't like the play. So I remember watching it freshman year of high school. Yeah. I was cast in it too for a while. Were you really? Yeah, because when we put it on, I dropped out of that because I'm like, no, thank you. That was boring. No. Elia Kazan later remarked that the biggest problem he encountered with his actors was getting them to set on time. The weather was so severely cold, most of the actors didn't like to hang around the set for long. Marlon Brando's Oscar for Best Actor was either lost or stolen. The award showed up later when Brando was contacted by a London auction house intending to sell the item. Oh. The only film which wasn't a musical for which Leonard Bernstein wrote the incidental music, and there's a reason for that. Because he is good at music. It's the most ridiculous music. He is good at incidental music. Or at, at musical music, basically. Grace Kelly turned on the role of Edie Doyle, deciding to make Rear Window instead. Smart move, Grace Kelly. Yeah. Ooh, that may have given away a little bit of my thoughts on this movie. Oh yeah, we didn't actually discuss her thoughts. No, did we'll we? get there. <laughs> I just, no, I just realized we didn't discuss it. Well, I guess you know. Lindsay's oh, Michael V. Gazzo's in this movie. Who? I completely missed that. Um, he played uh, Titalia in Godfather Part Two. With the mustache, the bald guy. Oh, I don't even. I didn't even recognize him. I didn't either. That's why I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, he's there. A lot of these are just really repetitive. We do. I would like to apologize. This used to be number eight on the list. It dropped, it dropped. eleven spots. Yep, that's a, actually a trivia fact. I feel like we should discuss. Well, okay, yes, keep going. The uh, from a budget of just under one million dollars, the film went on to gross ten times its production costs in its initial release. It's not a very, like, extra, extra, extravagant movie. It's a very kind of just simple, like, a couple handful of locations. Like, there's nothing very technically difficult about it, so... 
Okay, here's a really long one, but this is interesting. Okay. According to Richard Shekel, in his biography of director Elia Kazan, Frank Sinatra had a handshake deal, but no formally signed contract to play the character of Terry Malloy in On the Waterfront after Marlon Brando's original refusal to play the role. Sinatra, who was producer Sam Spiegel's first choice for the Terry Malloy role, actually attended one wardrobe fitting to prepare his costume for the film. But Elia Kazan still favored Brando for the role, partially because Brando's casting in the film would assure a larger budget for the picture. Kazan was actually contacted by Brando's agent, Jay Cantor, to assure the director of the agent's continuing efforts to persuade the actor to perform in the film. Kazan, in the meantime, enlisted actor Carl Malden, whom Kazan considered a more suited more suited to a career as a director than as an, a career as an actor, to direct and film a screen test of a more Brando-like actor as Terry Malloy in an effort to persuade Spiegel that an actor like Brando could perform the Terry Malloy role more forcefully than Frank Sinatra. To that end, Malden filmed a screen test of the actor studio members Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, neither of whom had yet appeared in a motion picture, performing the love scene between Terry and, e- and Edie. Finally persuaded of the point by the Newman-Woodward screen test, Spiegel agreed to reconsider Brando for the role, and shortly afterward, Brando was persuaded by Cantor to reconsider his refusal. Within a week, Brando signed a contract to perform in the film. At that point, a furious Frank Sinatra demanded to be cast in the role of Father Barry, the waterfront priest. It was left to Spiegel to break the news to Sinatra that Carl Malden had already been signed for that role. Later that year, Paul Newman appeared in his first motion picture, The Silver Chalice, which is a critical and commercial failure, and and Newman and Joanne Woodward married four years later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but wasn't that's an interesting one. That trivia was a story in its own right. Yep. <laughs> yep, this is one of the first films to be named to the National Film Registry. Yep. Fred Gwynn's in this movie? Where's Fred Gwynn in this movie? As in Herman Munster? Yes. Unless there's another Fred Gwynn, G-W-Y-N-N-E. No, not at this time. That would have been the only one that I could have thought of. Where was he? Who was he in the movie? I don't know. Hold on. I'll look it up. Wait. G-W-Y-N-N-E. Oh, look at that. Second result. Fred Gwynn on the waterfront. Oh, he's in the pool hall. Show Tilt the computer around. Oh, you know, he popped on screen and go, God, he looks familiar. Okay. That's why he doesn't have he has he does, hair. He's not in makeup. <laughs> and it's not Pet Cemetery when he's old. Uh, oh, that's right. He's in that, isn't yes. he? Yes. I forgot that he's in yeah. Pet Cemetery. I know. It made he's reading coming. the book more interesting. Do, 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 well, okay. Do. Well, I will post that picture for you guys uh, to see. I'll post this picture. Uh, so it's on the it's on the Facebook or on the Facebook. Sorry, it's on the. Uh, um, it's on the page. <laughs> it's on the website for you guys who wish to see it. Sorry. This episode, I do apologize. This episode's a little crazy and uh, madhap. Yeah, and that's the end of the trivia because it's all just super repetitive, like stating the same things over and okay. over again in different words. So what I will do uh, as soon as I as soon as soon I get done typing this name It out, is Steiger, by the way, because if we're doing with pronunciation where the I comes second. Oh, that's true. It's the I if the E comes second and C. I skipped that part of language. I also, language. Well, it's also a, from learning foi, a foil. Foreign <laughs> language. I read the word doyle and I tried to say foreign at the same time it came out foil. Uh, it's foil language, apparently, between the two of us. Here's the thing. Fred failed. Gwynn's not even credited like in the credits. That's why I didn't even like twig that he was in there. You twigged? Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> 
Okay. Don't All laugh right, guys. at me. All right, uh, stuff and things or Inflation Nation? Inflation Nation, All then right. stuff and things. Inflation Nation. I have three things for Inflation Nation. 1954, because they never gave a date for the film. I assumed it took place in the year that it was made. So, from 1954 to 2014. Number one, $45 is the amount that the guy with the cigar gives the union boss, a.k.a. the mafia dude, in the beginning. Lee J. Cobb. That Who's character. in 12 Angry Men. Yes. Uh, as juror number three. That is the equivalent of $397.19. Okay. Number two, $400 is the amount number per two. week. Number two. The <laughs> amount per week Terry could earn from the job offered by chair. <laughs> That's really hard to do. Sorry. <laughs> Let me just repeat this. $400 is the amount per week Terry could earn from the job offered by Charlie, or the job that Charlie pushes yes, Terry yes. to take in the taxi cab. That's yep. the equivalent of $3,500 per week. Damn, dude. That's a nice job. And finally, number three, $65,500 is the amount that the union boss's organization, quote unquote, takes claims to take in yeah. per year. That's the equivalent of $578,000. Okay. Inflation. Uh, inflation nation. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. I'm just, I'm, I, my impersonations are just not even there tonight. All right, so stuff and things with Jeff. No stuff impersonations. Stuff and things with Jeff. No, imper- no more. No more impersonations for this no episode. More impersonations. <sighs> Not a crook. Number one, they wasted a lot of perfectly good innocent whiskey to kill that guy. Yeah, yeah. you really did. A lot of innocent really whiskey. Really super rude. I was very sad by that. Uh, number two, are they going to do it? I think they're going to do, do it. it. Come on, be a contender. In, In her, her pants. pants. <laughs> Hi, we're, 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 we're adults. We're 12, it's fine. <laughs> Number three, the music for the movie is completely unwarranted. It really, really is. He went, it's not a bad score, don't get us wrong. It's a great score, I just don't feel like it fits this movie. No, it's so unnecessary. It feels like it should be for a completely different movie, that's all I'm saying. Alright, uh, number next one. Why are these people so obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> That's true. Are you D and D or are you a canary? <laughs> I don't know the canary game. I, <laughs> I mean, if you need a dungeon master, I can I find can, somebody. I know somebody. He'll know be guy up for it. He knows a guy. No, D and D in the movie, if you haven't watched it, is deaf and dumb. And if you're a canary, you you sing as when you rat people out. About the mob activities happening oh, yeah. on the docks. And finally, number five, in other news, D&D in this movie does not stand for Dungeons and Dragons. I retract my previous comment. All right, that is all. That is legitimately what I wrote, too, I, before we just had that conversation. Okay, that's all I have, folks. Final thoughts, Lindsay, uh, regarding this movie. Um, what is your opinion of this movie? It was a good movie. Mm-hmm. The acting's really good. The story was really good. I'm going to be 100% honest, though. Mm-hmm. I was, I personally was not overly compelled by it. I will agree with that. But it's still a good movie. It's a good... And I it just wasn't wasn't my thing. We've, Which is kind of sad, because I was excited to watch it. When we've had this... We and it just this, didn't catch me. Right. We, we, we've talked about this, too, on one of, the, uh, one of the earlier episodes, or one of the previous podcast episodes, regarding the fact that we're well aware of this. These movies are great. These movies... Like, I understand why this movie won yeah. the awards. Everything was well done in the film. I just, it was an okay movie. I just, I was not, I was not enthralled with this movie. No. As much as I have been with some and of the other movies And it wasn't like, it recently. wasn't confusing, it wasn't no. slow, it wasn't anything like that. It just didn't 
didn't grab me. It wasn't something that I'm like, oh, I need to watch this movie 10 more times. Right. Like, it just kind of was like, okay. Yeah. It's but not a bad movie. No, it's definitely one of those movies where it's like, yeah, I now I understand I've why it, it dropped down the list. Compared to, I feel like what's coming up next. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. I will. I will definitely. I agree. don't necessarily agree where it is on the list. I don't know if it should be out of the twenties, but that's just me. I'm also really biased and want things like "It's a Wonderful Life" and "Mr. Smith Goes to Washington" higher up. True. Um, I will. Like the Gold Rush. Personally, and- I feel this movie Rebecca should not be in the top twenty. I think it needs to be in the top 40. Yes, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. Top 25. Because it's very much so, again, it's one of those movies that it's a night, it's a it's a great snapshot of the period of time that it was released in where it would dealt with unions and it dealt with the mob still being in control of certain aspects. Like, I I get that. I completely, it's, it's, it's a character piece. It's, or not a character piece. It's a, it's a, it's a, like a. Character-driven story. I get all that. I completely right. understand why it's on the list and why why it's so you know so high you know held at such high esteem. Right. But personally, I just was. It's a good movie. It's okay. I just I'm not in love with the movie. Nope. Me I'm either. really not. But at the same time, like I'm slowly starting to grow on Marlon Brando as an actor, and I'm growing on older movies. True. So see, so yeah, that's just it wasn't our thing. That's no. why this episode is so short. Exactly. I mean, we're not even at a half hour no. yet, and we're pretty much wrapping up now. Yeah. I mean, so. we'll probably screw around for another five minutes because that's generally what we do. But you know, pretty sure we screw around more than anything else. By yeah. the way, kids, that episode of our pre-episode recordings, have we <laughs> talked about that on the podcast. I think so. Okay. Maybe not. Tell inform in them case, anyway. In case not. I, I really think we have, but I'll reiterate it. It doesn't matter. Uh, when the show is all done, when we're done with the list and we're done with our bonus episodes, I'm releasing one final bonus episode. The last thing that we will release is going to be a, uh, like a, like a group, like not a group, like a, a like montage. A, a montage of all the times that we have tested my microphone prior to starting the episodes mm-hmm, and all the they're... random crap that we have said. <laughs> you have no idea. And I've, oh, I have already, no idea. after, after today, unless something happens in the next 18 episodes, 18 is all we have left, Lindsay. This, I found what the final clip is going to be because we recorded it today. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, not even yeah, on, you not say even 18, trying. like we don't have, like it's not another 18 weeks we I know, <laughs> do, plus the Christmas episode. Out of 100 movies, I know. we only have 18 so official us. movies plus a Christmas episode. I'm so proud of us. I think we have 19 with Ben-Hur. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we have, we have 19 watch. more. Okay. So, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done reiterating how many episodes we have until we at least get, like, to 10. So. All right. Well, that's all I have, Lindsay. What is Lindsay? Lindsay. Not what is Lindsay. I'm not asking everybody out there who what Lindsay is. What is Lindsay? Is. Lindsay, what are you? <laughs> no. Um. What is the next movie on our list? The General. Now, this is the movie that this I... Is, this is our last new movie to the list. Oh, interesting. Yep. It's from 1926. It's unrated. It's an hour and 47 minutes. It's an action-adventure comedy. This is the one it's with Buster, Buster Keaton. It's a Buster Keaton movie. Yep. Ah, and I've never seen this one. When Union spies steal an engineer's beloved locomotive, he pursues it single-handedly and straight through enemy lines. The locomotive. Oh, I've seen the gift from this. Oh, I've seen a clip from it. Um, He's on the front of the train. Yes, holding the giant uh, railroad tie. That. Yep. And if I'm thinking of it, if I'm thinking of the correct movie, which it gotta be, he at one point, there's something uh, laying, there's like another one of those laying on the track. He raises that railroad tie 
and while the train's moving towards it, throws the one in his hand at the one on the track, bounces it off the track, and the train keeps bowling through. And it was all done in real, and like in real, it was all done in reality. Like there was no gotcha. faking, no effects because it's when when did you say it was? 1926. Yeah, so kind of before a lot of that stuff happened. I'm very excited to see it. I want. I'm curious. I like Buster Keaton. I just haven't seen a ton of his movies. It'd be exciting. Yeah, I have never seen a Buster Keaton movie, and I'm excited because I like these kind of movies now. Is it silent? Did we say that? I don't know if it's silent or okay. not. Okay. But I will tell you right now that Buster Keaton kind of looks like Lord Voldemort. A little bit. A little bit. Like, he looks like Lord Voldemort when he's attached to the back of Quirrell's skull. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Holy crap. I've never made that connection. Yep. Well. Well, way to go. <laughs> sorry, Buster Keaton. <laughs> I don't mean it in a bad way. I'm sure his family will be so happy yeah. to know that he looks like Lord Voldemort. Voldemort, Voldemort, oh, Voldy, Voldemort, Voldemort. Lindsay. <laughs> yes, Jeffrey. I think it's time for us to end the podcast. Probably. <laughs> well, short episode, kiddos. Sorry. Sorry. Uh... We'll make up for it. Well, we've ma- I think we've made up for it in the past, too, with some of our longer ones, so... But, well, with that, everybody... It's all uphill from here. I Yay! cannot believe we're in the teens. In the teens. Oh, Radio Rahim. I, oh, my God. It was so long ago. I can't believe you've been saying goodnight to Radio Rahim for this long. I have been saying... Awesome. I have been saying goodnight to Radio Rahim for over a year and a half. Because that was February of 2013 when we watched that movie. Or March of 2013. One of those two. I have been saying goodnight to Radio Rahim for over a year and a half. Almost two years. That's impressive. And I will forever say goodnight to Radio Rahim. Goodnight to Radio Rahim. Goodnight, Radio Rahim. Because I miss you and your boombox in the sky. Goodnight, Radio Rahim. Goodnight, Radio Rahim. Goodbye, everybody, goodbye! Hey, I'm not done! What? I didn't say goodnight. I didn't say... I will pu- after the day I've had, it will thunder punch you in the throat. Thunder punch! Thunder punch! Ho! Say goodnight, CK Dexter. Hey, Ben! Goodbye, everybody! Goodbye! Don't get off the fucking boat. I was going back to that. <laughs> I always go back to that. Don't get off the Tigers, boat. Tigers, Radio Rahim, and Crazy Dennis man. Hopper, man. Man! Man! Um. Man! I am not a cook. <laughs> People are gonna be so sick of that by the time. Yeah, I'm they done. are. Bye, it's everybody. a good thing it's a short episode. We're super annoying. Oh, that's right. I lied. I wasn't gonna do impersonations. Sorry, kids. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>